Welcome to Storytelling. This week's guest is a grief transformation coach who specialises in helping people deal with the various life events that can cause grief. Her personal experiences with grief drove her to gain extensive training in this field and she founded her handling grief practice in 2022. She's dedicated to providing others with the knowledge, tools and processes to identify and process their grief, ultimately transforming their lives. Her passion lies in witnessing the positive transformation of individuals who have been trapped in a pain of unresolved grief. Please welcome Gulan Fernandez. Hi Gulan and welcome to the podcast. Hi Debbie, thank you so much for having me as a guest and I hope that um, whatever I share will be a blessing to those who need it. Gulan, why is it so important to share your story about grief? Well, grief is something that we rarely talk about. And because when I was growing up, I'd never really heard much about grief, what it is, how it affects you, how you can get stuck. So when I faced multiple losses, I really didn't know what to do. And I was given some unhelpful advice, misinformation I took to be real. And I was stuck in the pain of my grief for many years and when going on a very long journey to try and make sense of things. And my passion is to really make sure that other people are better equipped with the right knowledge, tools and processes so they can handle grief more effectively. And grief is a natural, normal part of life and everybody's going to have to deal with it at some point. But somehow it's rarely talked about so we're very unprepared for when things happen. Why do you think people do not talk about grief? Because as you say, it's a natural part of our life and existence, but we feel a bit too scared to share that grief or for other people who are not going through it to maybe approach a friend and ask questions about grief. I think there's a mixture of reasons why that happens. I think the biggest one is that as a culture, we tend to live in denial of our mortality. And so somehow we think that if we actually talk about it, it will make it feel more real and therefore more scary. If you have that kind of approach passed from one generation to another, it's like even if you want to talk about it, it's not something you've experienced being handled or talked about well. So you kind of perpetuate the same kind of things that you've heard or observed And I think there is a genuine fear about death and dying. And so talking about grief just makes it feel more real. And often we'll avoid it rather than face it. That's kind of my take on why it's something that's rarely talked about. And what is the best approach to take? What examples can you provide? Well, I guess the most helpful thing to do is to share more about my journey and then the lessons I learned along the way. There is a misunderstanding that grief is just about bereavements. Actually, grief emotions can arise when something comes to an end, whether it's through bereavement or other situations, 
or when there's a significant change in a pattern of behavior, and those can produce feelings of loss and grief. So people are often shocked when I share that my training, I've learned that there are over 40 life events that can impact your heart and produce feelings of loss and grief. And the other thing I hadn't realized was that not only is grief negative, it is cumulative. So if you don't know how to handle it well, and you just keep stuffing those emotions into the backpack of your life, it just adds up, adds up. And eventually, it's like your rucksack can't cope anymore. And that's sometimes when people break down or burn out. So that's some key things that I've learned along my journey. But I guess for me, it started particularly with the loss of my mum. When I was age 13, she was due to go on holiday. And we were quite happy that they were going away because we thought, oh, while they're away, we can get up to all sorts. But just as she was about to leave, I had this sudden urge to tell her that I loved her and give her a big hug. And then I looked at all the people milling around who'd come to say goodbye. And my logical brain popped up and said, oh, don't make a fuss. She'll be back in six weeks. But sadly, while she was on holiday, she got sick and she died and she wasn't back in six weeks. For me, that was one of the things that got me stuck because I hadn't realized that actually, if you have undelivered communication of an emotional nature, that you didn't deliver either because of circumstances or lack of opportunity, or you thought, oh, I'll do it later, then it's really hard to move forward because every time I thought about my mum, I couldn't really connect with the rest of our relationship and all the good times we had. I would just start focusing on why didn't I tell her? Why didn't I listen to my heart? And without having understood the causes of unresolved grief, I was stuck with that for years. And people would be surprised. People talk about parents things and I say, oh, you know, my mom died when I was 13. I'd get very emotional. I'd start crying and struggle to speak about it. And then they would say, well, when did she die? And I kind of go, oh, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. And they'd be like, really? How come you haven't got over it? You should be over it by now. But I hadn't got over it because I hadn't realized that unresolved grief and there's a specific cause will sit there until you deal with it. The other thing that wasn't helpful was that somebody trying to be helpful, one of the neighbors, when I got the news and I started crying, she said, oh, you mustn't cry. You've got to be strong for your brothers and sisters. And so I took that on board as truth and I tried to live by that every time I felt like crying. So that helped me to kind of cope with life, put on this brave front. But that wasn't really dealing with the root cause of the pain, which was this undelivered communication that I needed to find a way to deliver. I think it's really important that we address this unresolved grief that can. I don't want to say consume your life unless there's an opportunity to actually come to terms with that grief. And like you say, you were told to not cry, be brave, be strong. And that consumption of grief can manifest its way into different areas of your life and play out differently as well. Absolutely. And the thing I learned was that people often think that time is a healer. 
And I learned that that is actually a myth. It's not time that's the healer. It's the actions that you take to recognize and deal with the unresolved stuff. So I carried on like this for years. And then when I was around 30, my older brother, who was about a year and a half older than me, died very suddenly from a massive heart attack. And saw him two weeks earlier. I was teasing him about, keep saying you're going to come and visit me and you haven't, what's going on? And he said, oh, no, I'm really sorry. I'm definitely going to come and visit you. Just give me a couple of weeks. I've got a few things I need to sort out. And in those days, I'm talking over 30 years ago, we'd never heard about recognizing symptoms of heart disease or that you mustn't have a stressful lifestyle or rich food can contribute and smoking and all those things. So he used to smoke quite a lot, had a stressful lifestyle, loved eating rich foods and takeaways because he was always in a rush and rarely exercised. It's just we were living in ignorance. So not only was there all the grief of my brother's death, but it also brought up all the unresolved grief from my mum's death. And then so I had this double whammy, which was really overwhelming. On top of that, death became very real because I used to think that old people died and other people died. And so those beliefs were now shattered and I suddenly became very aware of my own mortality and very afraid of death and dying and what will happen to me, what's happened to them. I just felt very empty and lost and confused. And I was trying to use my usual, I mustn't cry, I've got to be strong. But it was very obvious to everybody around me that I wasn't coping very well. It's putting on this brave face, but struggling. Often grief can affect our mental capacity. We can feel exhausted from trying to deal with everything. And more importantly, it can affect your cognitive function. You know, I was struggling to remember things and get things done. I was carrying on trying to be strong. And then one day, one of my colleagues said, Gulam, how are you getting on this? And again, nobody talks about these things that they weren't sure what they should or shouldn't say. And But when she stopped me and said, I don't think you're coping very well. Maybe you should take some time off. It was like somebody suddenly gave me permission to feel how I was really feeling rather than putting on a strong face and I mustn't cry. And then I suddenly realized actually my whole world view of what life was like and what the meaning and purpose of life is, it was all sort of up in the air. And I finally decided that I needed to resign from my job, go traveling, take some time out without the pressure of, I've got to get back to work in a couple of weeks. And it felt really scary taking that decision because I was suddenly thinking, if I don't have a job, I'll end up homeless in the gutter. But somebody I've gone to for counseling She looked me in the eye and she said, is that really true? And I thought, no, it's not really true. (laughs) I'm scaring myself silly. But the reality is I have family, I have friends. If I go traveling and I take as long as I need, when I come back, they'll support me till I get back into another job. So that's what I ended up doing. But sadly, around that time, this was about a year after my brother's death, my younger sister had a delayed grief reaction. She had a breakdown. She started becoming suicidal and 
to us, she seemed to be coping the best out of all of us. But then we realized actually that was just on the surface that inside she had, you know, she was very close to my brother. She hadn't really come to terms with what was going on. So that resulted in her having the breakdown. And all of a sudden I was in a quandary, like, what shall I do? I've decided to go, but now if I go, you know, what about my sister? She needs me. And should I take her with me? But I'd never been to India. I had no idea what kind of conditions I would face or if she had a relapse, what would happen? But she actually came through and she was back to herself and she said, look, you really need this. I'm feeling much better now. The rest of the family are here. You've already resigned. You've got your ticket. Don't cancel your trip. So I said, are you sure? She said, yeah, yeah. So I said, okay. So off I went. I was away for several months, and then I got news that she had had a relapse and I should head back. We were very close, and I felt much stronger. I thought I'd be able to support her. And I tried to actually call her to say, look, I'm on my way back. Just hang in there. But in those days, (laughs) making a phone call was like a mission impossible. You rang your local telecom exchange. They then rang the national one who rang the national one in the country you're trying to call, who rang the local one. And I just couldn't get through to her. And then again, this logical voice popped up saying, look, she's in a safe place. You'll be there tomorrow. Just wait till tomorrow. Don't worry about it. But sadly, between me leaving Mumbai and then landing in London, She'd actually walked out of what I thought was a safe facility and she'd had another go and this time she'd succeeded. She had died and she was almost 21, beautiful young woman with everything ahead of her. But there's nothing I could do apart from think, why didn't I persist in trying to ring her? Why didn't I take her with me or why didn't I cancel my trip? I realized, I learned, is another source of unresolved grief where you think of the loss and you think of, I could have done this better, I could have done it differently, I could have said more or done more. That was a, a big lesson of how that can be a cause of unresolved grief and you can be, again, stuck for a long time trying to reconnect with the person you've lost. But every time you think of them, You get preoccupied with, I should have done this, I could have done that, why didn't I do this? And sometimes that leaves you with overwhelming feelings of regret or guilt, as well as the sadness. Your experience is extraordinary. And you've had to be strong for a long time for your siblings. What would you say is the biggest learning from that experience? What advice would you give to others? I think the first piece of advice I would give is that there is better knowledge, tools, processes and support out there and invest some time, ideally before you need it, but in educating yourself about the common ways that you get stuck, about common mistakes you might make when handling your grief. The other thing is to be aware of the myths that can get you stuck. So this idea that, oh, I've got to be strong or time's a healer or I'll just keep busy till it sorts itself out. I really laughed when I first came across the illustration that if your tire burst, how long would you have to sit and wait for it to reflate itself? 
well, it's not going to happen. So it's not time that's the healer, it's the actions that you take over time. So understanding that grief is not only negative, but it's cumulative, helps you to get into the habit of not just stuffing it down, putting it away, hoping it will go away. I remember I had a client once and I said to her, how did you find working together? And she said, I have to confess, I was very skeptical because I had counseling, it didn't help. I did CBT, it didn't help. And I was on antidepressants and I was thinking, how is this going to help? And what I realized was that we all have mental ways of dealing with things. So what she had done was put all her, the pain of her grief after this broken relationship into a box. And then she put the box on a, like a high shelf mentally and was trying to live her life as if it wasn't there. But actually, if you do that, it's just going to not only stay there, but it's likely to fester. And she said, I always knew out of the corner of my eye one day I'd have to face what was in there, but it just felt too scary. So I think recognizing that it does take courage to face what you're feeling and make time to reflect and learn. But avoiding it is like having a blocked toilet. It's not going to get any better. The first tip is equip yourself with the right knowledge, tools and processes. Build in a support network of people who are going to be willing to listen to you without trying to analyze, criticize or fix you. Because when you're grieving, the most helpful thing is usually to have a safe place where you can just express all your feeling without fear of being judged. And by recognizing that this is a normal and natural reaction to loss of any kind, and you're not suddenly going crazy. Because if you don't really know what to expect, if you don't realize it's natural and normal, and that there are ways of resourcing yourself to handle it better, then you can just get into a whole conversation of what's wrong with me? Why am I crying so much? Or what's wrong with me? Why am I not crying so much? Because sometimes people get into the pattern of comparing how they think they should be grieving. And especially people often talk about the five common stages of grief. So the mistake that you can make is thinking, oh, well, what stage am I in? Or I should be feeling this, or am I feeling that? But the biggest lesson I learned is that grief is a very unique experience for each person, depending on your relationship to the person or the thing that was lost, depending on how resourceful you are, depending on what other events you've experienced will all impact and that each person is different. Comparisons are unhelpful and trying to please other people in what you do and don't do, like me trying to please that lady who said, oh, you've got to be strong. is just not helpful. You've got to learn to connect with what's going on for you and notice what helps you and what hinders you. People will give you lots of advice because they're thinking about what they think might help them in their situation or maybe what helped them in the previous experience. But because it helped them doesn't necessarily mean to say it's going to be at all helpful for you. Give everyone a reality check. What stage will you say that you are with your grief now? The reality is having healed and moved forward and dealt with my grief, 
I'm now passionate about helping others to be better equipped and to know how to avoid getting stuck, avoid making the common mistakes and how to build yourself up so that you're emotionally resilient. I'm doing really fine. I'm really privileged to come alongside people who are struggling and be able to share what I've learned so they can get their life back and they can move forward and regain their sense of peace and productivity and purpose that often gets lost when grief comes along. Gulam, you have taken us through a wonderful story about grief and giving us some amazing tips. I'd like to thank you for being a guest on this podcast. Uh, It is my pleasure. If you have been affected by the issues discussed in this episode, then help is available from the links in the show notes.